This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The Dallas Cowboys select T.D. Lamb. Why oh, and now, your hosts, Dane Brugler, Jeff Cavanaugh, Kevin Turner, and Kyle Yeomans. It's another wonderful Thursday edition of the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Welcome in, everybody. A Senior Bowl week rolls on from Mobile, Alabama. We are 88 days away from the NFL Draft in Cleveland, Ohio. And we've got plenty to break down that has happened through the first two Senior Bowl practices. One more to go later this afternoon on this Thursday. But we're going to break it down with Dane Brugler, who is down in Mobile, holding on to to that hotel Wi-Fi at the moment, and he's doing his best to bring us some on-the-ground coverage of the Senior Bowl this year. Kevin Turner, as always, up here in the Metroplex. And then Bucky Brooks is at the NFL Network headquarters out in California, and he has been covering the Senior Bowl all week as well. So, man, we've got a, a great crew to break this all down. KT's going to run point in terms of the Cowboys. Then we've got the NFL overall look, and then the up-close-and-personal look from Bucky Brooks and Dane Brugler. And, Dane, when you talk about this Senior Bowl, I'm sure it's a lot different this year, not only because it's not at Lad People Stadium, and it's on the campus of South Alabama. But what has it been like this year compared to others due to COVID-19 and the fact that you've gotten two practices in already? Yeah, Hancock Whitney Stadium is beautiful. Um, so start with that. It's it's a it's a beautiful new stadium right there on South Alabama's campus. I, you know, part of me, the nostalgic part, misses Lad Peebles a little bit. But uh, uh, give uh, credit to Jim Nagy and his staff for what they've done. Uh, not sure if this was going to happen, but here we are. We're going uh, today's the final practice uh, on Thursday, and it's it's been a success. Uh, so it's it's definitely been different. Uh, in terms of the access, in terms of how, you know, the logistics of how everything's working. Uh, but, you know what, I'll, I'll take it. You know, we're watching football live on the field, and, and that's been tremendously, uh, a, a tremendous advantage, especially for some of these players who didn't play this week or didn't play this year in 2020. And so to see them out there performing at a high level, uh, some of these players have made money. That's awesome to hear. And, and Bucky, I know you've been keeping a close eye on a lot of those players via the remote. I mean, I'm sure your your remote setup is better than anybody else's in the country coming from the NFL Network. But what have you seen this week that's kind of stuck out to you that's different, even from a scouting perspective? Because like Dane said, it's been limited, but they've still been able to get there and get it done. Yeah, it's a huge surprise that they've been able to pull this off. I think the big thing uh, for me has been seeing how different guys have performed based on their level of activity over the course of the fall. We've had guys who have played an entire season, guys who haven't played at all, guys who played for a handful of games, and trying to weigh and evaluate what each of those players are doing given those circumstances has been, has been challenging. And then when you throw in the fact that the combine is not in existence, this is kind of like the last hurrah for a lot of people, mm. and some of these people never got a chance to start it. And so how do you weight all of those mitigating factors when coming up with your final evaluation? Those final evaluations are going to be crazy this year, I think, whenever it comes to no combine. A lot of pro days in the Senior Bowl is really what you're going to go by, and the Cowboys are having to do the same exact thing, KT. And with there being a lot of the, the storylines and the highlight reel plays, of course, going to go around the offense whenever you look at the highlight reels later uh, in the week from the Senior Bowl. But the defenses have really had a leg up through the first two days of practices, which is not to be a surprise by any means. But what, is, what do you feel like that has done for you when you look at the defensive prospects that are down in Mobile right now, anybody that sticks out to you, the fact that the defenses have kind of taken that upper hand? Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the first thing that I always think about with the Senior Bowl is, like, not to freak out about it, you know, because you get all these, like, one-on-one -on -one reps and, and things like that, not to freak out about it, but you're looking for something that confirms maybe what you've seen on tape. Well, but one thing that I really, I really enjoyed, I was, you know, following this through multiple mediums. I was watching uh, Bucky's coverage on the NFL Network, and they had Matt Rule on, and Matt Rule was talking about how they politicked to get to the Senior Bowl because mm -hmm. they wanted to meet players, knowing that there's not going to be a formal combine. And I couldn't help but think, 
man, that is such an advantage for them, picking eight, two picks ahead of the Cowboys. Uh, you know, it'd be great if the Cowboys had a lot of people there. I know they're not sending a lot of coaches and things like that, but scouts are going to be there. Um, but, like, that is, like, this is a big opportunity and a big chance. Uh, but in terms of, like, players that, that have really stood out, if you are a team like the Cowboys who needs a lot of defense, it's, go, it's really hard to ignore all the incredible offensive talent we've seen. Uh, but, you know, the, the guys that have attracted my eye a little bit, like you're looking for safety. Uh, you know, what can, can um, uh, Richie Grant do for you? Um, uh, are you interested in a Nazrael Dean and how healthy is he? Even though he's that strong safety type, a little different, you know. And and Aaron Robinson, the cornerback, I think is a guy kind of finding out, you know, can he play outside? You know, that's that's the whole mm-hmm. thing. I mean, uh, with him, I think you've got a really good player. Um, I don't have him in uh, kind of my group of first round guys, but you start talking about day two. Now, I think Aaron Robinson's a guy who might be in the mix for the Cowboys at pick forty four. And uh, he's someone that I'm really going to be watching, and have been watching, and will be watching as uh, we move forward to Saturday. Bucky, in that conversation with Matt Rule yesterday, did you really get that it was uh, an individual advantage to the Carolina Panthers? Of course, he's this in his second year as the head coach, but what did you get from Matt Rule? I mean, the intensity of his practices were incredible, and I, I've known Matt for my time in Waco, but, uh, I mean, you continue that to the Senior Bowl, it looks like they haven't skipped a rep. No, they haven't skipped a beat. I think this is um, really important and a huge advantage for the Carolina Panthers and a couple of different things. One, they get a chance to be around all these guys. And so for a week, they get to be around not only their own team, but the other team. And so to build those relationships, especially when you're not going to have the face-to-face interactions at the combine and maybe even private workouts, that's a huge advantage. Secondly, they're just coming from the college game. And so Matt talked about They've recruited a lot of these players, so they already have built in some of those relationships. And as you begin to think about guys who have played, guys who haven't played, you're more likely to lean to those that you know, those that you've kind of seen along the way. I think for Matt Rule and the Panthers, they have a huge advantage over a lot of teams in the league because uh, their college experience and what they're being able to experience down in Mobile. One of the big things he did talk about in that conversation was the fact that you want each rep to put good tape out there. He wanted to make sure that each of these players know that this is that special opportunity for not only the coaches, but for the prospects as well. Dane, who has put some good tape out there on the defensive side of the football? I know I was really impressed by the edge rushers yesterday in one-on-ones. I thought they were good for the second straight year um, after going last year and really being impressed by a couple of those guys. I thought they, they backed that up and continued to have some success on the outside yeah and, and real quickly to uh I, to back up what ba- uh, bucky just said i think mm-hmm. he's absolutely right about the panthers having an advantage here um it, because not only are they going to know who's going to fit for them they're going to understand pretty clearly who's not going to be a fit for them and be able to eliminate guys uh based off how things go and look all teams are going to have access down here they've got a you know plexiglass set up down um uh you know in, in a in an interview uh, kind of station for all the teams at night to go through and talk to these guys. But the opportunity the Dolphins and Panthers have is is profound, So uh, especially this year. Um, but in terms of the defensive guys, you know, I, I think that, you know, KT mentioned Richie Grant. I think he's uh, definitely flashed. You see the play speed. You see a, a guy that uh, trusts what he sees. He goes and he makes plays on the ball. Even when he gives up a completion, he's still ball searching and trying to rip the ball out, and sometimes he's been able to. Uh, the USC defensive tackle, uh, it, it's been tough for uh, blockers to contain him. Uh, and then both Notre Dame defensive linemen have really stood out. Um, Ade Agunadje, and I, I butchered that, but uh, his length, I tell you, is really, he's showing why length matters. Uh, rushing from inside, rushing from outside, uh, blockers are having a tough time with him. And then Dalen Hayes, you're seeing his athleticism off the edge. And one thing that's really stood out with, uh, with Hayes is when he's come off the field from a rep, He's immediately running over to a coach, and, I, and I'm watching this from the stands from 20 feet away. Mm-hmm. He's having dialogue with this coach, going through the technique that he's using, and just having that, that interaction. I mean, this is a player that understands the value of this week and the opportunity that he has. He's not treating it like just another practice. He's treating this like a job interview, and so far so good for Dalen Hayes. 
Hayes had a strip sack of Felipe Franks in the one-on-ones area. It wasn't even one-on-ones. It was in the middle of, I think, team drill. He came up and had a strip sack from behind. I mean, he was impressive yesterday. KT, did you see anybody on the defensive side of the football that really stuck out to you? I mean, of course, the Cowboys are very interested in looking at defensive talent while they're in Mobile. I was looking yesterday, and, I mean, they've taken a look at the majority of those guys that are down there at the moment. Hey, yeah, and I mean, look, defensive line is also an area that this team is going to need to look at, whether it's inside or or whether it is rushing. Um, you know, I thought Basham uh, had a good day on day one. Mm-hmm. Um, from from, but but you know, another another guy who I think I really liked his 2019 tape and his 2020 tape. To me, I, I kind of would view it as maybe a, a little bit of a regression for probably a multitude of reasons. But I thought Marvin Wilson's looked uh, okay. Uh, in what I've seen, obviously I haven't seen every rep that that's been down there because I'm not there. But like I, Marvin Wilson, to me, is a guy who I still think has that potential to sneak into day two and kind of be a guy who could play the one for you, play the three if you need him to, and kind of do a little bit of both um, at the defensive tackle position. Because you know, for me, I'm not comfortable with just saying, "Okay, Tristan Hill and uh, Neville Gallimore, mm-hmm. uh, go get it." You know, I, th- I do think they're going to have to add a defensive tackle. And will they want to invest in that, you know, uh, position uh, in, the, in the first three rounds? I, I don't know if they would do that. I, I don't know how much say Dan Quinn is going to uh, going to have and how they draft. You know, I, I can't help but think about some of these. It, it's amazing when you watch these one-on-one drills um, when we're talking about throwing the ball through the air. And I can't help but feel bad for some of these defensive backs in one-on-one situations with some of these shifty guys who are getting open. And I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to knock this cornerback too bad because, you know what, covering Amari Rodgers is a real hard thing to do, right? So I'm not going to kill that defensive back. But I felt really bad for the Florida State safety, Hamza Nasraldine, who's got to take part in these drills. And, one, he's not 100%, it doesn't appear. And, two, he should never, ever in this world ever be asked to cover you know, a faster guy, you know, <laughs> and, you know, he would get burned a couple of times in one-on-one drills. And I'm like, oh, I kind of feel bad for my guy Hamsa there because, you know, in a real game, no coach is going to put him in that position. But here he's going out there and he's competing and doing the rep. And sometimes it's maybe not working out as well as you'd like. But it's just a, just little things like that. I try not to over – I try not to overhype it. You, you take what you, you see, you just kind of add it to the context of the full thing. And I learned that from Dane. Dane taught me that. You always add what you see to the full context of the tape study. Bucky, did you see some of that same stuff yesterday whenever it came to to maybe the secondary? I thought when I was looking at Marvin Wilson, I was pretty under, uh, under – uh, I guess impressed. I wasn't very impressed with Marvin Wilson. <laughs> underwhelmed. Yeah, underwhelmed. That's the word I was looking for. But I was not very impressed with, with Marvin Wilson whenever it came to his tape. And like KT said, I haven't seen every rep either. I mean, we haven't been able to see every rep like you guys have. No, so the funny thing about Marvin Wilson is I actually liked his tape from two seasons ago. Like, yes. I think he was a big-time high school recruit. He comes in. He's powerful. He does a really good job of, of using his power to his advantage. He's not necessarily a twitch athlete on the inside. And so the thing about defensive tackles, and I think in today's game, it's hard to really put a high grade on an, an interior player if they can't really rush the passer consistently. And when I look at his game, he can do that. I do wonder down in Mobile how much the knee is affecting him because he's not necessarily the same explosive dominant player that we've seen at times and so I would like to see more of that I think Levi Anzarike mm-hmm. I think the first day he was really impressive in the fact that he hadn't uh, played all fall he goes out there he has the technique now he misses day two and so you just kind of wonder is that him trying to get his sea legs back is he going to do anything else but for me, the snap, the pop, the ability to play with his hands, I think his hand skills are very, very impressive. Um, I kind of wrote in my notes, like, he's kind of Mr. Miyagi in terms of the way he waxes <laughs> on and waxes off to get to the quarterback. He, um, He's really intriguing. And the back end, you know, it's really hard because I'm looking at some of the small school standouts, right? Like, so Robert Rochelle from Central Arkansas, to me, as a natural player, super fast athlete. And the thing that I, I kind of want to see is, not necessarily like how fast and how explosive he is, but how far away is he from being a guy that can be a frontline player? Like looking at his raw ability, 
how much seasoning would he need before he can get out there and do some things. But he's really explosive. And the fact that he gets his hands on the ball uh, when you watch him at Central Arkansas, I think it makes him a very intriguing option, particularly if you're the Cowboys. And we know that they need more corners, particularly with all those guys that could be impending free agents. With Robert Rochelle, and you you can see that speed right away. Uh, you, you don't have to squint, that's for sure. And even even when he falls steps or he's out of position, he's he's able to recover really quickly, and that's uh, that's pretty evident. And you know, going back to the Marvin Wilson conversation, it's you know I think the, the it, it did not start as a great week for him at weigh-ins when he came in at 320. Uh, you know, I think he's a player based off that. 2019 film where he was more in the 305 range mm-hmm. uh, that's the player you, we want to see because he flashes power he flashes you know foot quickness but he needs to put it all together and, and play just with more consistency uh, than what we, what we saw in the 2020 film so uh, it's been an up and down week for him uh, defensive tackles it's just not a great group down here like we've talked mm-hmm. about so teams are searching for those defensive tackles. They want one of these defensive tackles to emerge. Maybe it'll happen on uh, on day three here uh, this afternoon. Uh, but I agree with Bucky. Uh, uh, Levi Onzewerke uh, has been just, uh, you know, the first day he was terrific. He's he's showing why he has a chance to go in the first round. Uh, you know, he played out of position at that nose tackle spot in that Washington uh, odd front. And, you know, get him here uh, where he can just kind of let loose and, you know, get those one-on-one matchups. You see the violence. You see the hand strength, uh, the quickness that he plays with. He's a fun player. Anzarike, whenever it came to day one, I mean, I was impressed, much like Bucky was. And then he wasn't on the field yesterday, and you just mentioned kind of the special player that he could potentially be as a 2020 opt-out. I'm interested in him in the second round if I'm Dallas. I really am. I think in this, at 44, if he makes it that far, I mean, I think he's probably the best chance to maybe separate himself a little bit uh, whenever it comes to this defensive tackle class because, like you said, it's not a great group in Mobile. It's not really a great group overall when you look at this 2021 class but Dane have you heard anything on his availability Bucky said he he missed yesterday but you have you heard anything just being in Mobile Uh, I mean he's probably out for the week I would Mm. guess I don't know that but I would guess Um, during uh, Tuesday practice the first practice he actually he left with one of the trainers real quick and then came back so wasn't sure what was going on and then he decided that you know, just to be safe, uh, probably shut it down, which, you know, it's it's tough. When you opt out of a season like that, you're putting all your eggs in one basket in the pre-draft process, and all of a sudden now we don't have a combine. Yep. So, okay, now it comes down to the senior bowl, and you've got one practice, which is not ideal, but, you know, he, he put some good stuff on film. So it's – and like I said, it's going to be interesting this year with the, the defensive tackle group that we have. Uh, you know, are these guys going to get pushed up a little bit just because teams – still need interior defensive line help. So the Christian Barmores, the Onzariques, uh, both USC defensive tackles, these guys are going to get pushed up maybe five, ten picks earlier than they would normally go just because teams are looking for those defensive tackles this year. KT, you think the Cowboys would be in? Go for it, Bucky. No, I I think Dane has nailed something because I do believe supply and demand, because there are not many, those who flash a little bit will be overdrafted or drafted mm-hmm. before we expect. And so like a guy like Onzerike, we can say, hey, will he be there for the Cowboys? He may have a chance that when you're at the bottom of the first round and you don't have another pick till late in the second round, you may have to say, look, I need a defensive tackle. I'm going to take him now, even though it's not necessarily where the grade equates. Because I just don't know if you go the second go around, if there's going to be a guy that's even comparable to those kind of talents. Dane, do you have a comp? I just feel like there's a big drop-off. Go for it, KT. Go ahead, Kyle. You're good. I was was just going to ask Dane real quickly, do you have a comp for Levi Onzerike yet? Um, I don't think I put an exact comp on him. I, you know, he's... He's tough because I I gave him I think he was number forty three overall my mm-hmm. top one hundred uh, coming into the week uh, because you know I wanted to see him this week wanted to see him how, how he would do because like I said we, we saw him uh, the two thousand nineteen stuff at Washington where he's playing head up over the center uh, you know seeing a lot of doubles not getting a chance to really let loose um, but he's so active and he I mean he's the prototypical three technique in a lot of ways uh, you know not the biggest guy but he's so quick so violent. Uh, it just he needs to be a little more leveraged with his attack, 
But it, it, once he figures that out, I mean, that, that, this is what a twitchy big man looks like, mm-hmm. uh, is Onzerike. So I, I think Bucky's right. Uh, you're sitting there in the late first round, and you really want that interior defensive line help, get that juice, and uh, you're not liking your options uh, in the late second. So would not be shocked at all if we're talking about Onzerike as a first-round pick. He kind of reminds me, like a uh, on film anyways, of a Justin Matabike, at least what he looked like from Texas A&M last year. I see a lot of them two together in a, a couple different spots. KT, whenever you look at defensive tackle, I know the Cowboys are absolutely interested in it. Do you think they would be willing to be one of those teams that stretches on a guy in the second round like that? Yeah, no, I mean, I think they'll do – you know, I hope they have the philosophy of taking the, the best player. But, mm-hmm. you know, looking at their history, they've popped some guys in the third round and Neville Gallimore uh, and Malik Collins in recent history. Uh, they've been a team that definitely roadmaps the draft. You know, they, they really pay attention to depth of the draft, and they kind of gauge it that way. Like, hey, if I need to get a guy here. That means I'm going to have to go secondary here. They do those types of things. And I think that's what it might come down to. I mean, you know, we go back to whole uh, – I do think when, when you do have a regime in place, even though it's changed with Mike McCarthy, it's still Will McClay and Stephen Jones primarily picking players. You do have a history and something to go off of and kind of how they like to operate. And it really feels like they like to stand in there, make the pick, and hopefully that's the best player. I'll say this, and we're talking, talking defense, it'd be really hard if you're a Cowboys scout and you're out there at the Senior Bowl – uh, and you know about your injury history on the offensive line, though, mm-hmm. if you're not seeing some offensive linemen, and they're not making your mouth water a little bit as well. So, I mean, they have to add a defensive tackle uh, or two, um, whether it's through draft free agency. They have to do that. Um, you know, if, if, Ansari- if Ansarike is there at 44, maybe that's your guy. Uh, what we're kind of talking about, though, the drop-off, like, and then not necessarily a really defensive line, a tackle. It can be defensive end as well. I mean, they're mm-hmm. going to need another defensive end as well. Like, you start talking about, okay, well, I want one of these Pittsburgh guys to step up. Like, is Rashad Weaver or Patrick Jones going to kind of separate themselves? And if we're just going, like, on a board, Juan Zarike is a way better player than, uh, you know, than, than Weaver or a better player than Patrick Jones. And those are the kind of guys who I want to see. Those guys who you may have, you know, round four, round three, round four type of grade on, maybe you're on five type of grade on. How big of an impact can they go have this week to vault themselves into the conversation on day two? And you're looking for that. So, like, all eyes on Rashad Weaver. Go make some plays. All eyes on Patrick Jones, who now I love his build, mm-hmm. and I love some of his tape, and then some of it I'm very wishy-washy on. So those are the types of guys who you really want to, to really uh, have their stock rise like GameStop this week. <laughs> you had to throw the GameStop in there, huh? I like that. That was fantastic. Throwing in the GameStop reference. That's good. Uh, I want to talk about Patrick Jones at some point, and maybe even Ellerson Smith out of Northern Iowa. I think both of those guys as edge rushers made some money this week. I I liked what Patrick Jones brought to the Senior Bowl this week, but we'll talk about that coming up here in just a little bit because we have to take our first break. And the reason why we're taking our first break is because we've got Twitter on the 20 on the other side of it. We've got a ton of great questions surrounding the Senior Bowl. How much of these small school guys improve? their draft stock like GameStop. We'll talk about that next when we return on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizal for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. 
Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys, and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. On to the second segment here at the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. We've got Bucky Brooks, Dane Brugler, Kevin Turner. I'm Kyle Yeomans. It's time now for some Twitter on the 20. Twitter on the 20. Chris Beam, as always, punching those buttons in the back and doing a fantastic job. And we, I want to spend a, a split second here to thank everybody who's sending in these questions because they've been great. I mean, great questions, not only just this week, but all year long, and then everybody keeping up along the way with the draft show. I mean, you guys know it's Senior Bowl week, and so we got a ton of really good Senior Bowl questions to kind of keep with the theme today. We're going to start off with Jason Pruitt, and this is a question I had for Dane and Bucky and and KT throughout yesterday's practice, but how far do you think guys like Quinn Mayners, the center out of Wisconsin Whitewater, known for flattening trees and going viral on Instagram and Twitter throughout the offseason, he's the center who really had a good first couple of days, and then Dwayne Eskridge, the wide receiver from Western Michigan, how far have they risen due to their performance so far in Mobile? Dane Brugler? No one has risen more than Quinn Miners. No Mm. one. Uh, This guy has been dominant this week. It's been amazing to watch. And listen, I'm a Mount Union alum. I don't (laughs) go out of my way to talk nicely about Wisconsin Whitewater, okay? The 2007 Stag Bowl still stings. Mm. So it it pains me a little bit. But I tell you what, Quinn Miners, what he's done this week has been fantastic. And it's funny. You watch, you know, he didn't play this year. 2020, uh, Division Three, they did not have a season. But you watch his 2019 film, and it's good, but it's not great. It's not like, you know, he doesn't necessarily dominate like you would expect at the Division Three level. I remember watching Ali Marpet coming out of Hobart, uh, you know, sitting down watching this left tackle just dominate. And then he goes to the Senior Bowl, does the same thing. Uh, with Miners, he you know he, he was he wouldn't even be here if Landon Dickerson doesn't have his injury, and so that opens the door for Miners. He comes here, and you can tell he's been working his butt off the last year with no season. He's been training. Uh, you know his body looks completely different than it did on tape, and he show, he's showing a better understanding of how to use use that body. He's playing low. He's playing controlled. Uh, the foot quickness is there. You can tell he's a very smart guy with the way he's reacting. Um, but I, I tell you, talking to a scout last night about him, they had six seventh-round grades on uh, minors uh, just based off of his 2019 film. Now, it, 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 now's the great debate is how much do you elevate a player like this based off of three days of practice compared to three years of film? Uh, obviously, the competition that he's facing this week is like nothing he's ever seen at the Division three level. But still, it's, it's, it's a really fascinating topic. Um, I, I think it's fair to you know, talk about him in the top 100 conversation now. Uh, you know, I think wow. he's, worked, he's gone from the, the late rounds mm-hmm. to early day three, and now teams in the top 100 looking for a guard center who uh, has the, the quickness that he does, the intelligence, the, the nasty that he plays with. They're going to have uh, Quinn Miner's conversation. So it's been really fun to see him. And Dwayne Eskridge, who, you know, I in my Senior Bowl preview, I kind of 
uh, pegged him as maybe a guy that could be like a Terry McLaurin uh, in <laughs> terms of being a riser because he's his max stuff this year was just great. He he looked like uh, you know the cornerbacks in that league were just kind of standing still with the way he moves out there, and he hasn't disappointed. His play speed has allowed him to get open with ease, and it's not just his play speed, but his ability to uh, be a natural catcher of the football that allows him to play fast because he can uh, really focus on the football and be a creator after the catch. So. Both those guys have been two of the winners uh, so far this week. You know, Dane, it's funny that you bring up the, the Miners conversation because I think that is one that is fascinating. I know he had worked with Duke Mannyweather uh, yep. for the offseason. I think Duke has done a really good job of helping him with the technique. But in our conversation, we had a chance to talk to him, and he talked about the work that he put in and how he came down with a single mindset to being able to dominate and to be able to take the things that he has learned along the way and put him in the practice. And he said that the Miami Dolphins, he's on the Dolphins, he talked about they have thrown a lot at him to know and learn and to make the checks and to do all that stuff, and he's embraced it. And as you, you talk about, whenever a D3 player shows up at the Senior Bowl, you always want to see that they look like a fish out of water. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he has been able to dominate elite competition, to me, I think it changes the narrative. Even though the tape in the past may have been up and down to see him physically kind of manhandle some of these guys i think it certainly is going to make him an intriguing prospect to watch and you talk about top 100 i think he is right there in that day three third round conversation because everything that he's put on tape this week has been outstanding yeah it really has been i mean i'm getting flashes of you know ryan jensen wow uh, yes that's know, a good just, comparison mm. Yeah, and, and you know, Ryan Jensen obviously came up. You know, the, the Ravens were able to find him, and then he signed a, a good-sized deal with Tampa. Uh, it, it, it's it's been fun because, like you said, he has not looked. He has not looked. I mentioned how he he got the invite because of Landon Dickerson. Uh, you know, you would expect on paper to be the huge drop-off from Dickerson, who his first-round tape compared mm -hmm. to a D3 player, but it just, it, it hasn't been a huge drop-off, which has been fantastic to see. And, uh, you know, now, now yeah, the conversation switches to, okay, so where, where, do you, where do you put him on the draft board? And that's, that's, uh, that's a really fascinating conversation that teams are going to have to have. So it helps that he's, you know, uh, the work ethic that, he's, that he shows, the, the way it, not, he can just, he can talk the talk and walk the walk, which has been, been great. And, you know, for small school guys, like, you know, Dave Moore uh, from Grambling State, who has been here, uh, you know, the first day, he looked like a fish out of water a little bit. But on day two, he made some necessary improvements. Him and Carlos Basham uh, mm -hmm. had some really yeah. good battles on day two. And that's what you want to see from a small schooler is that gradual progression. But it, it wasn't like that with minors. He hit the ground running from that first snap. One of the first draft scouting lessons I ever learned whenever I took over the, the, the hosting of the draft show last year was KT, and he said, if you see a small school guy, he want, he needs to look like a, a, a grown man playing against eight-year-olds, and that's what the tape looks like for minors. And then he comes out and he does the same thing for the Senior Bowl, and the way that he dominates the Senior Bowl is just impressive as well. But KT, this actually goes into our second question on Twitter on the 20, and Grady asked, what small school guys at the Senior Bowl could interest the Cowboys more? Of course, Dallas being a, a scouting department and a front office that's very heavy toward the bigger school guys, at least for the most part, it, it, with some of those premium picks. But is there anybody out of these guys or anybody uh, at the Senior Bowl that are from the small schools that could potentially interest you? Well, I think, you know, we've seen the Cowboys. Um, well, we know, we know offensive line is something they might have to consider. We've talked a lot about Trey Lance and things like that. Maybe we need to talk about the tackle, Dylan Radunes at North Dakota State. Mm. Um, you know, for him, my question coming off of watching his tape was how well can he handle a speed rush? Now, watching his one-on-one -on -one drills, like, obviously you know the guy's pass rushing you, so, like, you're ready, you know? But I, to me, I, I've seen a, a little bit of – you see the power, the ability to stay balanced – how fast are his feet is kind of what I'm watching for with, with Dylan Radunes. But that's a guy who could be in the mix and, and maybe be someone that the Cowboys would consider. You know, where we're talking day two, maybe maybe a fourth-round type of guy. You know, on tape, I have him as a, a third-round grade. Mm. So, you know, that's a, a small school guy that we need to give some love to. And, you know, Bucky mentioned, you know, Robert Rochelle earlier uh, from Central Arkansas. And I think one thing that I was kind of piecing together is you think about – 
Will McClay and how he kind of has looked at defensive backs over the years. One thing that they really love, they love those spark scores. They love those guys who can test. Yeah. And, you know, I've had someone text me, you know, mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks. Robert Rochelle's going to be a guy that is going to, uh, you know, if he was invited to the combine, would, would test really well. And when teams mm-hmm. do get his testing numbers, uh, they're going to be blown away by some of the numbers that he puts up. And I think that's a guy, you know, that will have the Cowboys' interest no matter what. Um, but I'm glad these small school guys are getting some love and getting some shine because that's always some of the, like the, some of the fun, but also difficult things when you're watching tape of these guys. As Broadus always says, there's a bounce house, uh, you know, back there while they're playing and things like that. There's ten people in the stands. It can be hard to go. Okay, well, how was that going to stack up? Um, when it's time to go block Nick Bosa. Well, it's probably not going to go well for anyone who has to block Nick Bosa, but like you, you really have to try to go, okay, how are they going to handle this next level of competition? And to see these small school guys, uh, Jalen Moore's another guy, um, to see those guys uh, do well is, is very encouraging because it's something that helps you with your evaluation a lot. I'd throw Kay Johnson in there as well, the South Dakota yeah. State yeah. Uh, wide receiver. He, he's done a really nice job this week. He's he's undersized, uh, but he's catching everything his way. He, his route quickness has been impressive. Uh, and this is a guy who was a walk-on at South Dakota State, not just an FCS guy. He had a walk-on, uh, which is really impressive. I know uh, Bucky will appreciate this, but I, I got some Dennis Northcutt vibes uh, from Kay Johnson. That. <laughs> uh, just, a, you know, that slot who's wow. tough. He, he can work the middle of the field, you know, the quickness that he plays with. So he's a good player. I'm, he's a really good player, very productive. I think when you look at his numbers, 139 receptions, 2,500-plus yards, and 25 touchdowns, the ability to put the ball in the paint to me is really important. I like to see guys score touchdowns because most guys that score touchdowns at lower levels, they score touchdowns in the pros. Hmm. Um, I think the one thing, uh, KT, you brought up about Robert Rochelle, Here's something that I think um, we all can learn from. When we talk about like a guy who's a freak athlete, this year more than any other year, going back to people's high school track times, that is going to matter. The fact that he ran 10-8 in high school in Louisiana, which has produced some track and field athletes, that helps him. Because when you don't have the combine and pro days are all subjective, the fact that you can pull the page and say he was a 10-8 in high school, you can kind of project out what that looks like. He is a guy that is going to probably be drafted in higher than most of us talk about just because he's a size, speed, phenom, and he does have ball skills on tape. Mm. No, that's, a, that's a great point. And I think that will help Dwayne Eskridge as well, who yep. he won the 200 meters as a junior and then as a senior won the 100 meters and the 200 meters. I think he was a, a 10-5 guy. So, uh, that's fast. It, yeah, that's moving. <laughs> uh, so I, I think that'll, that, that, that's a great point, Bucky, because that's – some of those, uh, some of those numbers, uh, you know, we, we don't know what's going to come from pro days and all that. But uh, if you ran fast in high school, then you know, I think that kind of sets the stage for the type of athlete you are. That's some Bucky Brooks speed out there, is what Dwayne Eskridge is, no, is putting on not film. Like that. Yeah, no, not like, <laughs> not that. like that. Not <laughs> even close to Bucky Brooks speed. That's what we're talking about now. I'm waiting. Like I'm waiting for Dane Brugler to, to bring out a comp. Be like, oh, he reminds me a lot of Bucky Brooks back in the day. How about that? But, mm-hmm. <laughs> You Let, don't want that comp. <laughs> That's not a good comp. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, DD on Twitter asks, thoughts on Wake Forest quarterback Jamie Newman so far and what he could bring as a mid-round option at quarterback. Once again, another opt-out and somebody who actually transferred, then opted out and never got to play a snap at his various schools. But, uh, Bucky, what do you think about Jamie Newman and what he's brought so far? You know, it's funny. He's, he's, he's a wild card to me. But I think right now the quarterback position in terms of evaluating it, I have no idea how to do it based on the players that are playing in the league. Uh, mm. I'm seeing John Wolford <laughs> start for the Rams, and they're talking about him competing for a job with Jared Goff. I've seen Taysom Hill go from being a guy that was a runner only at BYU to actually starting games. And so now more than ever, you have to use imagination. I think for Jamie Newman, look, he's a talented dual threat playmaker. He's more of an athlete than a passer. You go back and look at him at Wake Forest. When he runs the football, he's rugged and all that, but he's a hit or miss passer. And so what do you do with that? And so I see him as a developmental prospect. I think the thing that he's done best down at the Senior Bowl is when they get him on the move, particularly when he's rolling to his right, he can do the movement stuff. But I think he is someone that a coach has to take a personal interest in. Hey, let's take him, let's develop him, let's see what we can get as a guy that comes in as a 
a later round prospect, someone that we can stash on the practice squad, and maybe down the line he can pop and do something for us. And one thing I'll say about Newman is, you, you, I think you expected a little bit of a rust factor with him uh, this week, just because he, you know, I'm, he's been throwing obviously, but he didn't play this year as an opt out. But to his credit, he has looked pretty smooth. Uh, you know, he's looked as consistent, if not more so, than a, a Kellen Mond in terms of throwing mm-hmm. the football down the field. So that, that's a good thing for him. And I, I, the biggest thing for Jamie Newman this week is probably going to be behind the scenes and the interviews. Um, just, you know, their teams are going to grill him and say, okay, well, you know, you, you, you left your teammates at Wake Forest uh, for what you thought was a better opportunity, then you left that opportunity without even suiting. You know, they're going to grill him mm-hmm. on uh, some of his decisions. And, you know, it's, it's, it, he has to be ready for that. I'm sure he's prepared for those, uh, those questions, but he has to come up with the answers that are really going to satisfy teams uh, for why he uh, made the decisions that he did. KT? I hate quarterbacks. Um, I, and I just, I just where I'm at. I That's the quote of the day. Is just I, I hate even, quarterbacks. I'm gonna make T-shirts. I, hate I, nah, I, I don't enjoy scouting them anymore. It's not fun to me anymore. Uh, quarterbacks are difficult, man. Um, and you know what? My, Dak might have been the one that ruined that for me. Uh, it's like, oh, why didn't I have him graded higher? Why, why did I not have Dak Prescott graded higher? Maybe it's that. I hate quarterbacks. <laughs> Oh, um, KT. I think it's it's a different it's a different time. It's it's evolved yeah. and it's evolved right in front of our eyes because I mean you talk about Dak. I mean Dak at Mississippi State. Like we talked about, like he was a runner. He was really a phenom running the ball. He was tough. Yeah. There was that Tebow stuff that people had talked about, and you liked him. But who knew that he would be what he's become as an NFL player? And as the NFL has changed, I think our eyes kind of have to change in terms of. Well, what could they be? What if? And what if you get someone that likes them, they're willing to revamp their offense to allow them to play? That didn't used to be the case, which makes it even more difficult because you just don't know. I think one of those other guys that's... uh, Go for it, KT. I'm sorry, Kyle. It's all you, buddy. No, it's you, buddy. It's my bad. No, you're good. I was just going to say, one of those guys that's going to make you hate quarterbacks more, I think, is Mac Jones, who's actually down in Mobile at the moment because... (laughs) I don't. I don't know what to think about Mac Jones because I was. I was of the thought process, kind of like a lot of the nation was, is that he was a backup quarterback going into the 2020 season, and then he comes out. He has a terrible first three weeks of the year. Then he tears it up the rest of the way and wins the national championship. Has a a, a Joe Burrow like rise, even though I don't necessarily want to compare it to Joe Burrow. But I mean, it, it was comparable. It really was the the season that he had. And now he comes to Senior Bowl, and he just shows out, and he's the best quarterback head and shoulders above everybody else. Bucky, tell me why Mac Jones has gotten into the conversation as a top ten pick for me. Because I've really liked what I've seen. I love the leadership, the build. I mean, there's a lot of guys. And MG asked me that, too. Well, MG asked it on Twitter. He said, has Mac Jones already done enough to get in the top ten conversation at quarterback? No, I don't think he. I don't think he's in the top ten conversation. I think people are going to talk themselves into thinking he's a first round pick. Mm-hmm. I think the the tough thing is when you're looking at quarterbacks like the guys that are ahead of him, the Trey Lance's, the Justin Fields, the Zach Wilsons, um, Trevor Lawrence. I believe you could take those guys and drop them anywhere, and their talent would show up. I don't feel the same way about Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. I know he's playing in a perfect environment. Everything is right around him. Right play caller. I think. Because the NFL game has changed, it's hard to play with kind of like that traditional guy that doesn't move around at all. So I like what he does in terms of processing. I like the way that he can kind of finesse the ball and timing touch and anticipation. But the big question mark to me is, what is he going to be like when everything isn't right around him? Can you win with that quarterback? And it just makes it hard. I know he's probably going to go in the first round. I just would have a tough time if it's my team saying, okay, I'm going to take Mac Jones, and I know he can't make it right when I'm wrong, and then am I going to be Sean McVay mad at Jerry Goff all over again? Because it's kind of like that same thing. Sean McVay is mad because Jerry Goff can't make it right with his athleticism. Is someone going to end up being frustrated with Mac Jones because he also can't make it right in that regard? Yeah, Bucky's right, and it's so much about his fit. Uh, I mean, think about Mac Jones – 
uh, in that Chargers offense. Uh, you know, you see Justin Herbert moving around and using his arm talent. I mean, Mac Jones can't do uh, anything close to what Justin Herbert did this past year as a rookie. But maybe if you dropped him into that Saints offense, you know, it'll look a lot different with what Mac Jones is asked to do. So, yeah, the fit is going to be huge. And something about this offseason, this might be this. I know this sounds hyperbolic, but this might be the craziest offseason <laughs> when it comes to quarterback movement. Uh, you know, we've got Deshaun Watson, Matthew Stafford. Uh, is Jared Goff on his way out? I mean, there's so much quarterback turmoil from team to team uh, I mean there could be you know 20 teams yeah. that are looking at their quarterback uh, situation and you know are, are looking at all their different options both in the draft and then throughout the league so it's, it's going to be an exercise of musical chairs you know who's going to be left without that chair and who might feel maybe compelled to take a Mac Jones a little bit earlier than maybe they normally would yeah two minutes before our show started it was reported and official. Deshaun Watson is like, yeah, I'm asking for a trade. Hmm. So, like, the hiring of Cully is not even going to, like, it's not going to help keep him there. So maybe he, like, this is, you're, you're right. I do love quarterback movement. As much as I hate quarterbacks, I love quarterback <laughs> chaos. Uh, I like that. Mac Jones, for me, I mean, like, to me, I view him as, like, uh, I mean, uh, and you're right, Dane, fit matters. How, can you develop him? Can you... Uh, are you asking him to come in and start right away? I, I don't. I don't think I, I'm ready for that. I don't think I'm going to say that. He did. He did. I do want to give him credit. He did make a play uh, in the team drills where he's rolling to his right, and I forgot who was rushing him, but it was trying to to come in and sack him. They couldn't. He's rolling to his right, makes a throw on the run. But what was also evident when he was rolling to his right is how slow he is, hmm. which <laughs> you know is not an insult coming from me. Um, you know, it's not. That's not an insult. It's just you know, it was like okay, yeah. He was lumbering to move five yards to his right, throw right on the money, beat the defender. It was a great. It was a great play. I, I, I it's just not. I and maybe I maybe it's the whole having excellent weapons at Alabama, but I, I just I can't think about Mac Jones mm-hmm. in a first round. I just can't do it. KT, was it the touchdown pass that you're talking about? Whenever he had to roll out, and it yes, was in sir. that end of the game, that end of game drills, like fourth and four from, or yeah. fourth and goal from the four. Yeah. It was Jabril Cox on his backside coming after him, and he yeah. was closing in pretty quickly. And Jabril Cox, I mean, I like him a lot as a linebacker, but he was barreling down, and Mac Jones had to had to get that ball out quickly. He did complete it actually to an LSU uh, wide receiver. It was Racy McMath was the, the McMath. yeah Racy. was the the uh, the wide receiver that caught that touchdown pass. But it was a good play, but you're right. I mean, it showed how slow he yeah. was and how much uh, of a, a lack of mobility that he has to show compared to maybe a guy like a Joe Burrow that a lot of people are at least throwing those two names in the pot because of the stats of their final season at the collegiate level, but it's not the same type of player. It really isn't. All right, that's going to do it for Twitter on the 20 fantastic questions. And keep them coming next Tuesday at 10 a.m. When we come back, we'll continue to look at the offensive side of the football. Are there any talents on that offensive side down in Mobile that could be interested? And who's the biggest riser and the largest decline from Mobile so far? We'll talk about it on the other side of the break. You're listening to the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. There's nothing as unique as our eyes. Which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. The Cowboys way where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like, where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. 
where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. I'm a little sad that this is the final segment of the draft show today. I feel like I could talk with you guys for like another two hours about the Senior Bowl. I mean, I don't know what you guys have going on. I mean, I'm not doing anything but watching the Senior Bowl. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that's fine. Final Senior Bowl practice today. You can catch it on ESPNU. And then, of course, here, Bucky Brooks on the NFL Network tonight. And then the Senior Bowl coming up on Saturday, 1.30 Central Time, 2.30 Eastern for all those Cowboys and draft fans on the East Coast. Plenty to talk about here over today and Saturday. Real quickly, before we get to biggest risers and largest declines, anybody stick out on the offensive side of the football? We've talked about the offensive line, but I want to hear some skills positions, some running backs, some some wide receivers. I know Kadarius Toney, probably the most talented player on paper, but he's kind of been banged up throughout the week with a bit of a rib injury. He was kind of hobbled on an ankle a little bit, and so he hasn't necessarily shown out. But anybody that stuck out to you so far this week, Bucky, that's caught your eye. Okay, I know you guys have coined the phrase like pet cat, right? Mm. The pet cat for me is Demetric Feld from UCLA. Um, And watching how the game is shifting where people want these wingbacks on the perimeter, we've seen Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and those guys kind of make their way in San Francisco. Felton, to me, is really intriguing. The fact that he spent the last two years in the backfield running the ball, catching the ball out the backfield, then he comes out and lines out wide the first day of practice and gets open. You see the speed and quickness. I just believe there's so many people that are looking at these hybrid players, particularly after watching the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I think he's a guy that has certainly helped himself with his performance this week. It's funny. He's like the opposite Antonio Gibson. You know, last year coming out of <laughs> Memphis, going from receiver to running back at the Senior Bowl. Felton going from running back to receiver, which is just, you know, it, it fits his, his skill set. I've uh, been really impressed with him as well. Soft hands. Uh, he looks good out there. So, uh, yeah, I think Demetric Felton. For a team looking for that Naheem Hines type of player, yes. that's that's uh, Felton. Felton can fill that role. I don't know what it is. It might be the it might be the UCLA dome because I remember last year when I first met Dane and Bucky, they were talking about Joshua Kelly at the Senior Bowl last year because of the 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 kind of oh, upstart yeah. that he had. And, and I mean, <laughs> even Bucky was talking about him being a pet cat last year. So it must be the UCLA running backs. Dane, anybody that sticks out from a skills position? Uh, Amari Rogers has been awesome, which I think we we expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I watched the Clemson tape. You know what Amari Rogers is. Um, you know, his, his play strength is fantastic. Uh, he, he's been very good catching the ball, putting it away. Uh, it, it's been tough for corners to stick with him. Uh, Josh Palmer from Tennessee. Uh, I think you know mm-hmm. once he got out of the shadow of Knoxville and the quarterback situation they had going on. Uh, Josh Palmer's been able to show out here a little bit. Uh, big, he's got good speed, uh, better route runner than I, I think what, what we saw at Tennessee. And, you know, all you have to do is throw on the tape of him versus Alabama, see him go against Sertan to know he's got talent. Uh, and I think he's been able to show it here today. So I think Josh Palmer has certainly helped himself. A couple of these SEC receivers with, uh, you know, obviously Kadarius Toney, even though he's, he's, had, he's had the drops, but, uh, you know, it, it, good luck trying to cover him. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Shai Smith, he looked really good on day one, got banged up a little bit yesterday, day two. So the SEC receivers have really stood out. KT? Yeah, and I'll add on to that. I mean, look, Amari Rogers to me has been the best, the best wide receiver here. Um, and Kadarius Tony, who I love and have a first round grade on, uh, those drops yesterday. You know, not a full evaluation on on those drops, but 
just something to jot down and, and add to the notepad, you know. But Amari Rogers is he is the most like he's one of my favorite players in the draft. And I know Dan's been on him all along, but you know, settling in a couple weeks ago and watching his tape and all of his tape and going, holy cow, that is that's a lot of fun. Um, you know, another name I thought there's is uh, and I, I if you know me, I'm a guy who is all about the separator, smaller guys. Make it easy on the quarterbacks, okay? Try not to have a defensive back all over you. But one guy who has really impressed me, and I haven't seen much of his tape, is Frank Darby of Arizona State. Mm. Um, so I've liked him a little bit at wide receiver as well. and I still need got to get a full evaluation on him as we're going forward. But that's one of those names. One of the fun thing about the Senior Bowl for me is to like, oh, there's a name right there. Okay, all right, let's go and, and look at that tape a little further and, and see what else we can find out about the guy. Um, and, you know, we talked about Eskridge earlier, uh, Dwayne Eskridge from – we again, we're, he's going to be a broken record by the time, especially if we let Kavanaugh back on these podcasts because he's going <laughs> to love him too, I would imagine. Uh, but, like, the separator, the, 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 the deceleration, you know, along with the acceleration – like, those things are just amazing when you can get that separation and make it easy on the quarterbacks. Because as I told you in the last segment, I hate quarterbacks. But if we can make it easy on them, that's good. So. But Amari Rogers, oh my God, that guy's a beast. Yes. Uh,. I've also had some people ask me about Marquez Stevenson. Dane, really quickly, 30-second synopsis on what you've seen from Stevenson, the wide receiver out of Houston. Pure speed. That, that's what he offers. Doesn't have the best body type. He's about 180 pounds, but he can fly. Uh, you know, Good luck trying to stick with him vertically. Uh, and if he adds maybe a few more branches to that route tree, uh, he, he's going to see more playing time in the NFL. How would you compare him to Tutu Atwell of Louisville? Yeah, Tutu, uh, he's, he's, he's much more undersized, I think. I'm really eager to see what he weighs in at. He looks like he might be more like 170, 175, I don't know. Um, I want to see Tutu become a, a more polished receiver underneath and mm-hmm. you know, create those, those after-the-catch opportunities. He can fly when he's got a runway, but I want to see a little bit more make you miss and, and things like that. But he's, he, with that speed, you know, the NFL is going to take a, a, a lot of notice, that's for sure. That would be the name of uh, Dame Brugler's rap album, or maybe rap song, as he could fly if he had a runway. I, I don't know why. That just stuck out to me as a, a really fun line. <laughs> All right. Biggest riser. I like it. I, like it. I, I think we need to make that, too. Uh, t-shirts and rap albums on this edition of the Draft Show. Uh, biggest risers this week from Mobile. Dane, we'll start with you really quickly. Who has made the most money this week? Well, there's no doubt it's, it's Quinn Miners, um, uh, but we already talked about him, so I'll, I'll try to pick someone else. What about Deontay Smith, uh, East Carolina tackle? Hey, uh, that's a good one. <laughs> he, he's been really, really impressed. And it started with the weigh-ins. Over 35-inch uh, arms, uh, the longest of any offensive lineman here. Wow. Uh, and I actually tweeted out before the Senior Bowl uh, some some clips of him working out and making you know 42-inch box jumps. and So you see the athleticism, and it's translated. I really wanted to see how could he hold up in space with his anchor and you know could he match power for power and he's done a nice job tying up rushers and not looking out of place they've tried him at guard i think he's uh, he's done okay at guard but i think he's much better at tackle uh Deontay smith when you've got the foundational traits of the quickness and the length uh and what he's done this week he's definitely going to be a riser bucky that is a good one. That is a good one. No, that's a good one. He's one of the guys that I've talked about. I'll talk about Michael Carter. We talked about him off air. Michael mm-hmm. Carter, to me, I think has been better. He's been better than expected. Um, having watched him all year at North Carolina, you just kind of wonder how good is he? How much of it is a byproduct of the offense that feel Longo runs? But look, he's been tough and physical running the ball. He catches the ball, I think, a lot better than people give him credit for. He reminds me a little bit of Clyde edwards Solar in terms of his timing in the mm-hmm. screen game. He has a chance to be a really good player. I'm not saying that he's on the same level as his teammate, Javante Williams, but he is a really good player in a very crowded running back class. Yeah, I think for me, for Riser, I'm going to throw Richie Grant out there, the safety from Central Florida, who we talked about earlier. But, you know, his ball skills will jump out in this environment uh, of practices and things like that. You're going to see those plays and go, whoa, you know. Um, you're going to be able to see his speed, see that he can cover things like that. I mean, it's a draft where 
We're kind of looking for a safety to break out, too. Who can be that safety that can kind of get in the mix? I know everyone kind of likes Morig from TCU. Um, Jeff likes the other safety from TCU. Yeah, or Darius Washington. Yeah, Richie Grant is a guy I feel like we're getting a a pretty good consensus on a lot of people, and I know I'm included after watching his tape and seeing uh, what he's done so far at the senior bowl. I think Richie Grant is a name that is going to continue to climb and and kind of get in the mix to be that top safety in the class. All right, final. I think Richie Grant might be the second safety drafted after Morg. Wow, that's pretty. I mean, I don't necessarily disagree. I think the safety class is pretty thin this year, and I think he's one of the guys up at the top. Now, final thing before we get wrapped up here on the show, Bucky, uh, and, and we'll start with Bucky. But who do you guys think needs to show more Thursday, and then of course in when the game actually happens on Saturday? Uh, I think the big receivers need to show up. So Nico Collins and Sage Sherratt. We haven't seen those guys. And I know, like, the game is trending where big guys dominate. I just need to see them show up. I haven't seen enough wild plays. We've talked about all these other receivers, and we've yet to mention them. I think I need to see Nico Collins and Say Shiraz show up. Dang. I'd love for one of these quarterbacks to really kind of take it over. I mean, last year we saw Justin Herbert from start to finish really be the guy. This year, I don't know that we, we have a player that's – kind of shown out as the top quarterback clearly you know I, I think Mac Jones is that guy but uh be great to see one of these quarterbacks really step up and say okay I this is my opportunity and I'm gonna I'm gonna take it run with it and you know this is why you should pay attention to me yeah I had on my on my followers or, or guys who, are, who need to step up Sage Surratt the buggy said mm-hmm. uh but also I'm a fan of the you know the, the freakish guys um in terms of like their length at offensive tackle but my guy from Northern Iowa, Spencer Brown, has got to look better. Yep. Um, just kind of getting run over a little bit, not playing with power. And quite frankly, he's got to bend more. And I know he's six seven, but he's a guy who's got some projectability and has some upside. Uh, but he hasn't looked good in the first two days, in my opinion, from the reps I've seen. And uh, that's a guy I'd like to see uh, kind of get it together and, and get back in the mix for some OT depth uh, in the draft. I expected more out of him this week, and you're right. I don't think the tape has really lived up to it. And then, Bucky, to your point, you look at some of the bigger receivers that have come through Mobile and and talking about physical big receivers. I mean, Chase Claypool separated himself last year, and look what he had of a rookie Mm -hmm. season with Pittsburgh. So, I mean, it can happen. It just hasn't happened yet with the guys like Sage Sherrod out of Wake Forest and some of these other bigger receivers that made the trip to Mobile. But we'll be back to break it all down for you on Tuesday. Still plenty to come from Mobile. Be sure to tune in to Bucky Brooks on the NFL Network. Keep up with Dane Brugler on The Athletic. KT will be back next Thursday. We'll be back next Tuesday on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show, 10 a.m. Central Time, and we will break it down with Brian Broaddus, Bucky Brooks, and David Hellman. But for Dane Brugler, Bucky Brooks, and Kevin Turner, and Chris Beam in the back, I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long. Thanks for joining us here on the Draft Show. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?